1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. We kick off the month of May with the numbers for April. I may already know the answer, but how busy was the real estate market? The real estate market was hot. It was insanely busy. But the numbers that we're going to hear next week when the Toronto Real Estate Board comes out with their final numbers for April are not going to be reflective of last April. Remember, last April, we only had 467 sales in all of York Region, and that was for the entire month. This year, we should end up around the 2,400 mark once the official numbers come out. Wow. That's a 411% increase, Tina. Unbelievable. I guess you've never seen anything like this, have you? We've never seen anything like this because we've never had a shutdown like we did last April. Mm -hmm. I mean, these numbers are more indicative of what's happened in previous years. And, you know, although we'd be up, we may be 15 or 20 or 25% up over those numbers. So it would be conceivable. But uh, a 411% increase is going to throw a lot of people off, but you have to qualify it with having no sales last year. And so how do you keep that in mind? Because there may be some of those agents out there who are going to capitalize on those numbers, right? Definitely. And, And they're not looking into what caused these numbers. And that's why with real estate, you know, on this show, we always say, don't look at the the small details of what's happening in the market. You have to look at the big picture because that's where you're going to see the truth about the market. And when you take a small cross-section, like last April when we had nothing happening, and you take it against this April where everything was selling, and uh, you're going to get numbers like this. We had 2,400 sales almost for April this year in York region alone. Typically, that would be around the 2,000 mark, 1,800 mark. So when you look at it compared to previous years, you're going to see that we're not that much farther ahead. But last year was just an anomaly. And and because of that, we have these huge increases. And what about specifically some of the regions right here or some of the areas right here in York region? What can you tell us about Vaughan, Richmond Hill, Markham, even Georgina? So Vaughn and Richmond Hill, Markham, they're all hot. They're all hovering around the 300% mark, uh, 400% mark. But Vaughn and Stouffville were absolutely insane. Vaughn showed a 500% increase. They only had 94 sales last April, 565 this April. They were just behind Markham for top spot in the region. Stouffville, 16 sales last year, 120 this year. So that's a 650% increase. Percentage-wise, they led the way. Georgina, what a bounce back for Georgina. 27 sales last year, 152 sales this year. More sales than Stouffville. And and then you've got, you know, Markham, which is always good, 588 sales. You've got Richmond Hill with almost 400 sales. So those are typical. I mean, those areas are always hot. 
surprises would probably be, I would say, Newmarket could have done a little bit better. Aurora could have done a little bit better. East Willenberry, 121 sales. That's phenomenal for them, a 450% increase over last year. Again, last year they only had 22 sales. But when you look at the year-to-date, so January until the end of April, we're up 125%. Now, considering we did nothing last April, these are okay numbers. When you, when you look at the, the bigger picture, so you're looking at you know, the four months in total, the sales are pretty much double or a little bit more than double for York Region, and that is consistent where, where we should be. So when you're looking at the bigger picture, we're not that much farther ahead if April was a normal year last year. And it wasn't. So what year would you compare 2021 to? So if you're looking at April of 2021, would you compare it to 2018, 2017, or even 19? What are you thinking? I'm putting these numbers up against 2016 because that was the year that we sold the most units on the Toronto Real Estate Board. And when we're looking at that, what we're going to start to see now, Tina, is from June. So May is going to be another year, like uh, another month like April. But, um, you know, once you start hitting June and July and August, you're going to start to see numbers that could be, they they could fall short of what we did last year. And that's when things are going to start to level out. And by the end of the year, we should see numbers similar to what 2016 was. You've described the situation as too few homes and too many buyers. Is that still the case? And have you seen this kind of issue before? We did. We saw this issue in 2016, the early part of 2017. And what it is, is it's a supply issue. There's not enough supply. And, you know, we've said this over and over again about this is all domestic demand. We haven't had the influx of the new immigrants coming or the foreign buyers coming in. And once the borders open up, it's going to make that supply situation worse. So we really need supply. And this is why I was upset last week that the government didn't do anything to address supply. What we're seeing now is because of that strong demand and the limited supply, listen to these price increases over last year. I mean, Aurora up 35% in price. East Wilmbury, 41% in price. Georgina, 40% in price. King was up 55% in price. Their average price right now is almost $2 million. Markham is up 28% in price, 32% for New Market, 25% for Richmond Hill. Vaughn's up almost 20%. Stouffville's up about 32%. So these price increases are caused by very strong demand, not enough inventory, and people are paying whatever they need to pay to get into home ownership. And will that price continue to go up, do you think? Probably not at those 30% and 40% levels, but it will continue to go up. Again, last year in April was probably the, the least demand that we've seen for homes in you know a number of years. Well, probably in the history of the real estate board because we only had the uh, less than 500 sales in New York region. So the supply was there, but we did not have demand because nobody wanted to venture out. Now you've got that demand. You've got people that are getting out there and purchasing these homes because they don't want to lose out and have to pay even more later. So that's what's causing the strong price appreciation and the growth in in the housing market. We need supply to be able to calm all of that down. 
And are you still seeing bidding wars or paying way over asking in in your office with your agents? It's not as bad as it was a few months ago in terms of people paying two or $300,000 over. You're still going to see that. You're going to see that when houses are priced way under market value. And you're going to get these stories about people paying three or 400000 over asking. That's not the truth. The truth is, if you compare that property to where it should have been positioned in the market, you may be over fifty or $60,000 in terms of purchase price, but it doesn't make for the, the great stories for realtors. So, you know, some of these guys are still pricing it really low to get as much attention as they can. And it works for them. I mean, they're, it's, it's working and they're, they're getting the deals. And, you know, the, the important thing to do is when you're looking at these properties, don't look at what it was listed at and what it sold for. Look at where it should have been listed at and what it sold for. And that'll give you a, a better picture. We hear a great deal these days about the real estate bubble. What exactly does that mean? A bubble is when prices are artificially inflated or, you know, you know, there's been a lot of talk of the Toronto bubble bursting ever since I even got into the, the market or into the career. And that's going back 15 or 16 years now. And the thing is, there's so much demand for a world-class city like Toronto and the surrounding areas in the GTA you're not going to have a bubble because these are not situations where the price is artificially inflated or it's temporarily inflated. These are, this is true economics, supply and demand. And when you have that, and when you have a world-class city like Toronto that's positioned at the lower end of all the other world-class cities in terms of price per square foot, there's a lot of room to grow. If we were at the top end of these cities, now you're getting into the unaffordable situations. And that's not happening here. So we still have a huge upside. That's why a lot of investors, a lot of foreign buyers, they're looking at Toronto. They're looking at Canada, but Toronto and Vancouver in particular, because they know there's a lot of upside and they know that their money is going to do well in cities like that. All right. After the break, what to do if a tenant refuses to leave? This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. On the Market is back. I'm Tina Cortez, and this is York Region's only radio real estate show. Over to my co-host, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties, with today's guest. Thank you, Tina. We have Vita DeLisi joining us from Stonegate Legal Services. Vita, welcome back. Thank you, Steve. Good morning, everyone. It has certainly been a lot of issues with tenants and landlords, and, you know, leading up to COVID, uh, you've probably been swamped since the start of COVID. Yes, we have been. I, I just was just saying to Asif that COVID has been good for business, but not good for anything else. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of posts on social media and even some of my agents coming to me asking me, what can tenants do and what can they not do? And there's some tenants that are refusing to leave properties that the landlord has already sold. Yeah, well... This is the thing, Asif, is that COVID has affected everyone. 
tenants, landlords, investors, realtors, everyone has been affected. However, real estate remains an essential, essential. And what that means is that tenants must cooperate with respect to showings. However, if there's a way that the landlord and tenant or the realtor can actually accommodate the tenant with respect to, you know, putting a virtual tour of the property together or taking pictures, this will limit the amount of foot traffic only to serious prospects. So although tenants are not allowed to interfere with the showings due to COVID and due to, you know, some tenants being affected uh, or having underlying uh, health concerns, this does come we don't. We do hear that you know tenants are uh, either limiting the amount of showings or not allowing anyone in. And what really can you do in those situations? Well, what you can do, or what a landlord can do, is serve a tenant with an N five notice for interference. However, this notice has a seven-day voidable period, which means if the tenant allows for showings or changes their behavior within seven days, they can void that notice. However, if they continue to, to not show the property or hold the property hostage, as I call it, the landlord can apply to the board. However, the challenge the landlord is going to face through applying to the board in order to, you know, request an order for the tenant to comply with the showings, it's going to take probably seven to nine months just for a hearing date, in which case the seller landlord has missed that market. So what I would recommend is that they work with the tenant to see what or how they can accommodate the tenant in allowing for showings. So one thing that has been working for other agents is they, you know, they send the tenants away for a weekend so that they can have the foot traffic that weekend and they hold offer presentations on a Monday evening. So they're trying to, again, limit the amount of foot traffic. You know, this is an incredibly hot market and, and, a lot of these investors that purchased these properties seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, you're looking at you know a lot of appreciation in terms of price. Sure. If the landlord wants to sell this property and you know maybe is successful in selling this property, what if the tenant doesn't leave? Well, if the tenant doesn't leave, I always tell my landlords that you have two options, okay? So they can sell the property with the tenant in there. If the the new purchaser assumes the tenant, then that tenancy would just carry forward and the tenant would just pay rent to the new purchaser. However, if they don't and they require vacant possession, well, off the top, uh, as if is that there is no such guarantee to vacant possession, it doesn't exist because the reason why a landlord cannot guarantee vacant possession is because everything is riding on that tenant. So if that tenant doesn't, if the tenant doesn't move out, then that landlord cannot fulfill that contract. However, the landlord or their legal representative can serve the tenant with an N12. And the N12 is a notice to end the tenancy for the new purchaser's own use. However, the new purchaser has to actually move into the property for residential occupancy. The landlord would then have to fulfill certain requirements of the N-12, and one of the requirements is compensation. What the landlord has to be mindful about the N-12 is that on the second page of the N-12, it tells the tenant, if you don't agree with this notice, you don't have to move out. Now, compensation still has to be paid within the 60-day termination period, even if the tenant doesn't move out. 
The tenant is entitled to a hearing. They have the right to be heard. So what the landlord has to do upon service of the N-12 is that they have to file the N-12 with the board. Again, we spoke about the challenges in getting a hearing date, which is about seven to nine months. So what's the alternative? The alternative is what I call a cash for keys. And a cash for keys is exactly what I call it. The landlord or their legal rep would offer a cash incentive to the tenant in order for them to agree to end tenancy. That cash incentive could be, you know, a forgiveness of the rent arrears. It can be first and last month's rent to another place. It can be covering their moving costs or storage fees, whatever. Something for the tenant to agree to end the tenancy. Now, if the tenant agrees, the legal rep would draft a consent agreement as well as the N-11 agreement to end the tenancy. The agreement to end the tenancy is like the Incredible Hulk. I love this agreement (laughs) because at the time that it's signed, all parties are giving up their rights, especially the tenant. And that's why a lot of tenants sometimes don't sign this when they're approached by the realtor or by the landlord. So it's definitely recommended that you retain a legal rep to carry out a cash for keys. Once the N-11 and the consent agreement is signed, the, the legal rep would file it with the board and request an ex parte order. And the beauty of an ex parte order is that it's an immediate order to evict the tenant if the tenant doesn't leave by the termination date as they agreed to in the N-11. It's like a fast-track eviction without a hearing. What landlords have to be mindful about the N-11 is that the tenant still has 10 days to file a motion, and a motion is basically you're instructing the courts or the board to do something. So they have the right to file a motion within 10 days uh, in order for the court to put a hold or a stay on that eviction order. Because, you know, for example, the tenant changed their mind or they feel that, you know, they can't move in time for whatever reason. If that happens, then then usually about four to six weeks later, a hearing is held. Now, at the hearing, the tenant will explain why they changed their mind or why they're not moving. However, from my experience on the outcome of these types of hearings, nine times out of ten, the board will lift the stay and allow for the eviction just because that N11 is so powerful. So that's how a cash for keys works. Uh, And I never recommend that a landlord do this themselves, and I don't recommend that they get the realtor involved because the board is not very realtor or property manager friendly. Definitely, if you're going to do the cash for keys route, get a legal rep to act as the middleman. And Bita, have you witnessed these types of scenarios yourself in terms of, you know, cash for keys or that cash incentive? Have you seen this happen, especially in this market where possibly landlords are cashing out and taking advantage of the hot market? Absolutely. Just to let you know, we've done about 50 of these cash for keys, maybe more in the month of April alone, because sometimes, Tina, the cash for keys is the only option a landlord seller has if they want to cash out of this busy hot market. You know, waiting on the N-12 is going to take months just to get a hearing date. And then, you know, if if the board rules in the landlord's favor to terminate tenancy, they will provide the tenant with 60 days' notice. So 60 days on top of nine months is almost a year. 
by that time, the, the landlord has paid out a penalty to keep that buyer around, and penalties as high as $4,000 a month I've seen. Well, why not pay four or five, six, seven thousand dollars to the tenant, get them out so that you can do, you know, any repairs or touch ups or paintings and have the property accessible for prospects. It's gonna cost you more to keep that tenant dangling around until a hearing date. This is why cash for for keys is sometimes more the effective uh, option. Great information, Peta. Uh, just before we close off, w- does it matter if the tenant is in a lease situation or if they're just month-to-month? Well, a cash for keys can be done anytime, whether they're in a lease or whether they're month-to-month. And the reason being is that we are agreeing to the terms of the tenancy, of the terms to te- terminate tenancy. However, if the tenant is in within their lease, then the N-12 has to be dated. The termination date of the N-12 has to be the last day of their uh, rental period, which means whoever is buying the property has to assume the tenant or the termination date in the N-12 has to be the last day as indicated in their lease. And if our listeners or if other realtors listening to the show need to have any questions answered or or need your advice or need you to step in and help them out, how can they contact you? Absolutely. The best way is to head over to our website. Our contact information is at stonegatelegalservices.ca, www.stonegatelegalservices.ca. They can check check us out on Instagram or Facebook, or they can give our office a call at 416-937-2766. That's awesome. Thanks so much, and uh, looking forward to getting you on again. Thank you very much. When we come back, your questions and the hot listing. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions, and the first one comes from Ama in Markham. The cost of a new home is on the rise because of increasing construction costs. Would you advise her to look at a resale instead? Asif, what do you think? Great question, and there's two there's two ways to look at this. One is you're not going to be competing on a pre-construction property. Usually you're going in, you're making an offer to a builder. It's basically what they're asking. Uh, they don't really negotiate. So you know the price that is listed is the price that you're going to pay for this property. You're obviously going to have to pay for upgrades if you want those right away. You pay the builder for those later on. But the main thing is you're not going to be competing on a resale home right now. We have such limited supply that you will probably be in competition. So if you're looking at a home that's relatively the same price as a builder home, you're going to get into a bidding war, and you're going to have to pay a little bit more in terms of that. So you want to be able to make sure that if you're looking at pre-construction homes, you're going to be uh, you know, looking at different areas and different price points that have the same type of homes that you are looking to buy. And with a resale home, you're not going to, I mean, you you know what type of home you want, but you're not going to be able to get that without a bidding war right now. So you always have to factor in the extra amounts uh, to pay for that bidding war. 
So a new construction may still be a better option for her. It still would be because you won't have the competition in terms of multiple offers on these homes. And uh, and that's going to probably be the deciding factor when you're comparing apples to apples. All right. Our next question comes from Joseph in Thornhill. He plans to purchase a condo in downtown Toronto, but the building is more than 10 years old. What are the red flags, if any, with an older building? Asif? You want to be able to look at the status certificate and see how much money they have in their reserve fund. The good thing is the older buildings will have a stronger reserve fund, but they also have more maintenance to do and more upkeep. So will the reserve fund be able to cover the upcoming costs that are needed to keep the building uh, you know, in a relatively decent shape? The other thing you want to look at is what are those maintenance fees? Sometimes there's been major repairs done to buildings, that has caused them to increase their maintenance fees and then just walk around the building, take a look at the underground parking lot, the amenities. Usually if uh, there's a pool in these older buildings, you're going to you know, have to factor in the cost of renovating that pool and all the people in the condo building are going to share these costs because you're all joint owners. So you want to be able to make sure that the upkeep is good. The reserve fund would be my go-to to check, and a lawyer would be able to do that for you when you get the status certificate. And what exactly does that reserve fund mean again? That's the money that when you pay your maintenance fees, there's a certain percentage of those maintenance fees that goes into maintaining the building and a percentage that goes into our reserve fund, which is a pool of money that is used to service the building, maintain it, you know, fix the elevators, the pools, the the general common areas. And that is what you want to take a look at. It should be a healthy fund. If the reserve fund, I've seen, I've seen some reserve funds that have been negative, which means the building owes money and they don't have the money. So there could be something called a special assessment. A special assessment comes in and now the owners of the condo units could be on the hook for ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars because they have to pay for the repairs out of their pocket. And then a special assessment comes in, which now you have to pay in addition to the maintenance fees. All right. So good idea to look at the reserve fund. Got it. Asif, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, how can they do that? They can call me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Time now for the On the Market Hot Listing. Where are we off to? We're going to Keswick for a coming soon listing. Now, this property, Tina, is on a 60 by 180 foot lot huge property. This property is a three-bedroom home. It's a bungalow. Very nice and quaint, great layout, and the backyard is just incredible. And plus, you've got a huge garage workshop back there that could be a man cave. You could you could park four to six cars in this place. There, You could put your boat in there, and I say boat because you are steps away from the boat launch for Cook's Marina. Wow, sounds amazing. And how far is Keswick from the 404 or the 400? You're right off the 404. So this is South Keswick. You're probably about, from the, from the property to the ramp at the 404, you're probably about three or four minutes away. And, uh, you know, with the 404 going all the way up into Georgina right now, it's made a lot of these properties very popular. And especially the proximity to the water from this place itself on Walter Street is just, you could walk to the water. Sounds pretty good for this summer, that's for sure. If our listeners want more information about the property, where can they find it? 
They can contact me at 416-985-5426 or 905-554-5522. That's our show for this week. If you missed any part of On the Market, go to 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.